Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Bodhidharma's wake-up sermon. Every suffering is a Buddha seed because suffering impels mortals to seek wisdom. But you can only say that suffering gives rise to Buddhahood. You can't say that suffering is Buddhahood. Your body and mind are the field. Suffering is the seed. Wisdom, the sprout, and Buddhahood, the grain. Mortality and Buddhahood are like water and ice. To be afflicted by the three poisons is mortality. To be purified by the three releases is Buddhahood. That which freezes into ice in winter melts into water in summer. Eliminate ice and there's no more water. Get rid of mortality and there's no more Buddhahood. Clearly the nature of ice is the nature of water. And the nature of water is the nature of ice. And the nature of mortality is the nature of Buddhahood. It's only because of the delusion of differences that we have the words mortality and Buddhahood. When a snake becomes a dragon, he doesn't change his scales. And when a mortal becomes a sage, she doesn't change her face. Mortals liberate Buddhas, and Buddhas liberate mortals. This is what's meant by impartiality. Mortals liberate Buddhas because affliction creates awareness. And Buddhas liberate mortals because awareness negates affliction. There can't help but be affliction. And there can't help but be awareness. If it weren't for affliction, there would be nothing to create awareness. And if it weren't for awareness, there would be nothing to negate affliction. When you're deluded, Buddhas liberate mortals. When you're aware, mortals liberate Buddhas. Buddhas don't become Buddhas on their own. They're liberated by mortals. 
Buddhas regard delusion as their father and greed as their mother. Delusion and greed are different names for mortality. Delusion and mortality are like the left hand and the right hand. There's no other difference. When you're deluded, you're on this shore. When you're aware, you're on the other shore. But once you know your mind is empty and you see no appearances, you're beyond delusion and awareness. And once you're beyond delusion and awareness, the other shore doesn't exist. The Tathagata isn't on this shore or the other shore, and he isn't in midstream. Arhats are in midstream, and mortals are on the shore. On the other shore is Buddhahood. turn this way if you like. Thank you all for coming today. It's, um, it's a wonderful thing to be here together and a wonderful thing that each of you, whether you know it or not, have done for each of the other people here because we couldn't do this without each other. And I, I really mean that very, very deeply. What we are doing, this practice, this practice is a very independent practice. It's a very solo practice in one sense because nobody can sit on the cushion for you. Nobody can do the work. Nobody can liberate your mind 
liberate your heart except you. And that's simply a fact. No teacher, no book, no guru, no God, no Buddha. No one can do the work but you. And that's a very daunting, daunting fact. But it's made so much easier because while you are making this journey, you have fellow travelers. You have people from whom you can gain strength. resilience, determination, people who encourage you simply by being present. By doing the work on their own cushion. But together, something is created which cannot exist without the work and the presence and the heart, the effort and the love that each of you bring to the Zendo. So really, thank you. Thank you. I started preparing this um, talk to the extent that I never prepare these talks. Um, quite some time ago, um, and actually uh, most of this text is um, something that I spoke about at Rahatsu session, so um, anybody who was at Rahatsu session at least has heard um, part of the text, um, but I guarantee you haven't heard the talk that I'm going to give because I never remember from one time to another what I've said, and um, it always changes. Um, and I began preparing this talk not knowing that the day that I would be giving the talk was the celebration of Buddha's Parinirvana and the memorial service for Edo Roshi, who was the founding abbot of this temple and the monastery up in the Catskills, Daibasatsu. And that's an interesting thing because the, the theme of the talk is mortality. And the relationship between mortality and Buddhahood 
the parinirvana, for anybody who is not familiar with the term, is the celebration of Buddha's death. And it may sound funny to think of celebrating a death, but death and life are the fundamental issues of any religion. Whether you're talking about Christianity or Buddhism or Hinduism, Islam, birth and death are the whole show. In Buddhist thought, death is not the end of anything. It's the end of this body. It's the end of some personal relationships that people have. It's the end of our personality. But what doesn't end and can't end is the karma that we accumulate. That continues. That continues on and on. And when that karma is exhausted, That is when we speak of parinirvana. Parinirvana, the nirvana, the final nirvana, the nirvana of final liberation. And it's that final liberation that we celebrate on parinirvana day. The death of the Buddha was the death of the karma that created the being we call Gautama Buddha. He was never to be reborn. And so that is not death as we normally think of it. What it is is something beyond words. And so I can't explain it to you. Anybody who tries to explain it is just blowing bubbles. There is no way of wrapping your head around it. It's something beyond conception. So that is one aspect of Buddhahood. The other aspect of Buddhahood is mortality. Our fragile bodies, our temporary form, all of the 
day-to-day craziness. All of the struggle, all of the greed, anger, delusion, grasping, aversion, fear, ignorance. This is the other side of Buddhahood. In Hakuin's Song of Zazen, we hear, sentient beings are fundamentally all Buddhas. It is like ice and water. Apart from water, no ice can exist. Outside sentient beings, where do we find the Buddhas? Bodhidharma, in his wake-up sermon, says, Mortality and Buddhahood are like water and ice. To be afflicted by the three poisons is mortality. To be purified by the three releases is Buddhahood. The three poisons are what make us mortal. The three poisons, we usually just call them greed, anger, and delusion. Broader terminology for it is grasping, which is wanting what we don't have or wanting to hold on to what we do have, whether that is in the form of food, money, status, a good name, sex, drugs, alcohol, relationships, spouse, a child, wanting to hold on to what can never be held on to because everything is changing constantly. I don't have to worry that I'm giving the same talk that I gave at Rahatsu because I'm not the same person. That person died in Rahatsu. So no no fear about me giving the same talk. I can't. And I'm happy about that. I don't want to hold on to that person. Whoever that person was, that's gone. Whoever that person was that was ordained by Edo Roshi now almost 40 years ago, that person's gone.
and the person that I am today will be gone tomorrow. That's mortality. Mortality is the recognition of what is. The three poisons are adaptations which we developed over the course of millions of years to allow our mortal selves to perpetuate. Grasping, aversion, delusion, that's what allows us to perpetuate our DNA, to create a second generation, and a third generation, and a fourth generation. Without the three poisons, animals cannot exist. They have to try to grasp. They have to have strong aversion. They have to be able to run away. This is mortality. They have to believe that they will be here tomorrow, which is delusion. They have to believe that their offspring will be here tomorrow, which is also delusion because we never know. We never know. Without delusion, without aversion, without grasping, we can't live our lives. This is what makes us human. And yet we call them the three poisons. Because what is adaptive becomes perverted. And we believe we really can hold on. We believe there really is something to fear. There really is something that we have to develop defenses and anger. We believe our own lies about the future and about the past, taking them not as useful stories that we tell each other, but somehow real, solid. We need to have these stories. And that's the fact. We do need to have stories about, about what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen next week and what's going to happen next year. But somehow or another, we convince ourselves that those stories are reality.
and there is where the suffering comes from. And so the three poisons cause untold grief in our own lives and in the lives of others. What we need is to liberate ourselves from the three poisons. Even while recognizing that these are the seeds of Buddhahood, the suffering that is caused by the three poisons, without that suffering, you wouldn't be here. The human race wouldn't be here. And you wouldn't be pursuing Zen practice. Bodhidharma says every suffering is a Buddha seed. Without suffering, you have nothing to push you to prod you along, to goad you into developing awareness, to opening your heart, to opening your mind. You need the suffering. But you also have to understand the relationship of suffering and Buddhahood, the relationship of the three poisons. To practice, to wisdom, to developing the paramitas, developing the Brahma-viharas, the Brahma-viharas, if you don't know what those are, the easiest words to express them are happiness, freedom from suffering, sympathetic joy, and equilibrium. The qualities of a Buddha. But without suffering, you have no way of appreciating the paramitas. You have no way of appreciating the Brahma-viharas.
suffering impels mortals to seek wisdom. But you can only say that suffering gives rise to Buddhahood. You can't say that suffering is Buddhahood. Your body and mind are the field. Suffering is the seed, wisdom the sprout, and Buddhahood the grain. That's a paragraph you can chew over for days and days, and it's worth chewing over it. Your body and mind are the field. You have to tend your field. Crops don't grow on their own. You have to be kind to your body and kind to your mind. You have to exercise the body. You have to exercise the mind. That's what we're doing here when we come and we sit. When we do yoga, when we do Tai Chi, when we undertake any activity with the aim of opening our heart opening our mind, purifying our body. We're taking care of the field, the field that we have, this gift that we've been given of the human body and a human mind. In Buddhist philosophy, it is said that the gift of a human body and a human mind is a rare, rare, rare event, which you can imagine if you think of all of the creatures that live and the billions and billions of insects and microbes and all sorts of creatures and none are given the gift of a human body or a human mind They outrank us in terms of numbers infinitely. And yet we have this ability to turn suffering into Buddhahood. It's said that
it's as if a, I'm trying to remember the, the uh, metaphor that's used. Imagine a ring floating in the middle of the ocean and a fish coming from far, far, far away and somehow manages to go right through this ring. That's how rare a human body and a human mind is. And we take it for granted. So please don't take it for granted. Recognize the gift that you've been given and take care of it. Take care of it. Imagine, since this is Adoroshi's memorial service, that I should at least mention Adoroshi. How many people here practiced with Adoroshi at one point or another? Okay, so a, f a fair number, a fair number of people. For those of you who don't know who Edo Roshi is or don't know very much about him, he was the founding abbot of this temple, as well as the monastery in the Catskills, Nagasatsu Zendo. He was uh, my ordination teacher. In some ways, he was probably responsible for my becoming a monk, and in some ways, probably responsible for my leaving the monastery before my training was finished. He was a very charismatic and, in many ways, wonderful teacher. He had a wonderful smile, a smile that could light up a room and light up your heart. And I owe him many things. And so I'd like to just gasho and bow to the memory of our founding abbot. He was a complicated man, brilliant, very human. afflicted by the three poisons 
as we all are. death his death saddened everyone who knew him and we felt that something was lost death is a very vital part of this existence. For those we love, A death tears something apart. But death is not anything to be feared or despised. Death is our dear friend. Something that we experience again and again and again in our own lives. The loss the giving up, the relinquishing. And so the final death is just another step another transformation much harder on those who remain than on the one who actually passes. Much harder on the community than on the person who dies.
immortality in the sense of death is just one of the meanings of mortality as it's used here. Mortals liberate Buddhas and Buddhas liberate mortals. Mortals liberate Buddhas because affliction creates awareness. And Buddhas liberate mortals because awareness negates affliction. This is a summation of Zazen. When you're sitting and your knee hurts or you're struggling with what's going on in your mind or what's going on in your heart. Bring awareness to that. Simply sit with it. Don't try to push it away. Simply be with it. When there's an ache, allow yourself to feel the ache. When there's grief, allow yourself to feel the grief. When you're worried about the future, let yourself feel that worry. But here's the trick. Don't get involved in the story. Whatever is causing the worry, whatever is causing the grief, whatever is causing the pain, the pain, the grief, the worry, that's real. The story is delusion. The story is something added. The grief, the pain, the worry, all of that can be one more method of opening your heart and feeling your vulnerability, feeling
feeling your humanity and feeling the humanity of everyone that touches you and that you touch. To open your heart is Zen practice. To open your mind is Zen practice. Allow yourself to feel, allow yourself to be without pushing anything away. But when you are making up stories about what it is that you feel, you can simply say thinking. thinking. Sometimes thinking is a good thing. But when you are trying to open your heart and open your mind to bring awareness to the forefront, thinking becomes a hindrance. If it weren't for affliction, there would be nothing to create awareness. And if it weren't for awareness, there would be nothing to negate affliction. Affliction takes care of itself when awareness is applied. When you rest in awareness, this is what's called equilibrium or calm abiding. The, this morning when we did morning service, we skipped over the uh, beginning chants, one of them being Atadipa, because we were doing a service. But Atadipa Atadipa begins by saying, abide, abide, which basically is saying chill, just chill, just whatever is happening, just be with it. Whether that is emotional turmoil, physical pain, bliss, a smile, whatever is happening, just, just be with it. Atadipa also says, you are the light. That light is awareness. And abiding and being with being with what is. That is the negation of affliction.
The negation of affliction is not running away from what bothers you. It's not moving because your knee hurts. It's just being with it and watching it and allowing it to be and watching how it changes and knowing that it will change. Whether the pain is a pain in your heart or it's a pain in your knee or it's a smile knowing that that's not going to last or it's bliss knowing that that's not going to last. The awareness is Buddhahood. The affliction allows you to dwell in awareness. The awareness allows you to chill so that whatever is happening it's okay. It's okay. Not going to last. It's going to end. Just like your body is going to end, just like everybody that you know is going to end, whatever you're experiencing is going to end. That's mortality. Mortality creates Buddhahood. Buddhahood allows you to be with your mortality and not fear it and not try to run away from it and not become angry because you know that no matter what you try, no matter how rich you are, no matter how big and powerful you are, you're going to die and everybody that you love is going to die. And I believe that's what all religions are about, whether we're talking about Buddhism or any other religion. How do you live with your mortality? How do you make friends with your mortality? Our answer is awareness, attention, attention. All we're practicing when we practice Azan is attention. Whatever technique you are practicing, whether it's following the breath or working on koans or doing a body scan or whatever you may be doing, you're practicing attention. You're practicing awareness. You're practicing abiding, calm, 
abiding, chill. When delusion arises, remember this line. Buddhas regard delusion as their father and greed as their mother. Afflictions, suffering, the three poisons, these are the seeds of Buddhahood if you use them properly. If you're not caught by them. And when you are caught by them, to be aware that you're caught by them. To treat them with a sense of respect and at the same time a sense of humor. Knowing that they're going to come back again, no matter what you do. And when they come back again, you can be ready for it. Awareness, attention, attention, attention. And on the other shore is Buddhahood. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.